Welcome to the Teacher's Impact Podcast, or better yet known as The Tip, where teachers can come to master their craft, use their voice, and enhance student learning. My advice to them would be to like put your time and energy into the more important things and not like the little things. So I, I remember I used to spend hours like decorating my library and making sure that the baskets were cute. And I just remember being at work till 11 o'clock at night, you know, doing stuff from Pinterest or any of those things. And I liked those things. And it, it definitely, you know, fed my creative side. And I think it was enjoyable for the kids. But just in retrospect, there was so many other things I could uh, focus on just, you know, building my craft and fine-tuning things and making sure I understood the curriculum and how to use it and how to assess kids and, you know, just the things that really matter. So that's really a big piece of advice. Um, once you do kind of grow into your role, I would say that, you know, anything that you're really passionate about, um, just kind of learn the right ways to use your voice. Melody Aravu is currently an outreach specialist for edreports.org developing partnerships with states, districts, and teacher leaders across the country to ensure students have access to high-quality instructional materials. Prior to this role, she was a Teacher Ambassador Fellow with the U.S. Department of Education for two years and was honored to serve as the 2015 Michigan Teacher of the Year. She's a proud graduate of Michigan State University for both her bachelor's and master's degrees and spent 15 years teaching third grade in Wald Lake School District in West Bloomfield, Michigan. In addition to being a wife, mother of three, and author, Melody is a passionate advocate for bullying prevention, special education, teacher leadership, and all things education. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Teachers Impact Podcast. We have a special guest here today. Her name is Melody Arabu, and I'm so excited to have her here today. It's going to be a great interview. I hope you can learn lots from her, and I'm sure that we will. So welcome, Melody. We're going to get a little bit straight into the question, but you can go ahead and say hello to our listeners. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Shannon thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. All right, so Melody, what was your motivation behind becoming a teacher? So I was not one of those kids that always like, dreamed of being a teacher growing up and like play teacher and all that stuff. I always, you know, was good with younger kids and was the babysitter and had all sorts of like younger cousins and things like that. But I never wanted to be a teacher. I actually wanted to be um, in marketing and advertising. I loved the idea of making commercials and um, I used to watch Who's the Boss and Angela Bauer on that show was like this high-powered marketing executive and, you know, she like wore power suits and took the train to work. And I don't know, that's just kind of what I envisioned in my head. Um, and so that's always what I had planned on doing. And even in college, I was, you know, taking marketing courses and things like that. Um, but while I uh, was in college, just my very first year, I heard about a school a local elementary school that was looking for somebody who could speak Chaldean, which is um, my second language aside from English, and um, to be a paraprofessional and to work with students who, you know, had English as a second language as well. And so I was only 19. I had no experience. I did not think I would ever get the job. <laughs> um, 
but I totally clicked with the principal and, um, you know, she even joked that her staff was going to look at her like she was crazy when she told them about me. Um, but she just, you know, knew that I would be the right fit and I felt it too. And so once I started that job, I just fell in love with teaching so fast. I just loved working one-on-one with kids. I loved the elementary school atmosphere. I thought the teachers were so great and helpful and supportive. Um, and there was just something special about when you, you know, see the kids in the hallway and how excited they get. And then mostly, you know, when they make that connection of something that you're trying to teach them. So I was hooked right away. And I think by the end of the first month, I changed my major and completely changed the course of my college career. Oh, wow. Wow, I never knew that. That's awesome. So you speak a second language. <laughs> so that's how you started. And you just got into the classroom and ended up loving it. Wow, that's amazing. Funny yeah, enough, I actually, I actually went. Yeah, I actually wrote the letter, ahead. wrote the principal a letter, the one who hired me. Because um, I actually worked there for a couple of years and then ended up going back to student teach and all that. And then I stayed in the district and got a job. Um, so when she retired, I wrote her a letter, like just thanking her for taking a chance on me and you know, just kind of like shaping the rest of my professional career. So, Wow, that's awesome. And you sent a thank you letter. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so, you know, being that you're a teacher, being that you're a teacher for so many years, what was some of your most cha- what was one of your most challenging times as a teacher? Well, I would say things started to get really challenging like my last couple of years before I left the classroom. Um, I had taught third grade my entire career, so over 15 years. Um, and there was just so many cuts to education in Michigan that we were just being asked to do more and more and more with less and less and less. So I had way more students um, than I ever did before. Um, And then even once you adjust to that, you know, if you have like eight additional kids in a classroom, that's eight extra desks, eight extra backpacks, you know, eight extra friendship problems, eight extra behavior issues. Um, So I just felt like so much of my day was putting out fires and disciplining, which, you know, I was never a teacher who needed to discipline much. Like classroom management was always my thing. And I just always felt like build relationships with kids and things run smoothly. And um, it just was such a different feel. And I was just really stressed and frustrated um, throughout the day and then at the end of each day. And then, you know, the the climate in my school started to shift a little bit too. Just mm. the new teachers and, you know, even <laughs> the grownups in the building were having behavioral issues, I guess, um, for lack of a better phrase. And so it just wasn't that happy, cozy place um, that Mm -hmm. I fell in love with when I started as a parapro or that I had known for my entire career because I was at the same school in the same grade, practically the same classroom for my whole career. So I just knew um, it was time and that that was definitely the most challenging for those last couple of years. Wow, yeah, definitely when the culture changes, it makes such a big difference in the teaching, right, or in the teaching. Yeah, that can be um, that can be hard to handle. So um, so talking about the challenges, I know you've had some successes. What is one of your most successful times in the classroom or in teaching? I would say overall, the biggest successes is like staying connected to my students well beyond third grade. 
So like my first class that I ever had, we all cried the last day of school. Like I actually have a picture of all of us just like crying because the parent was walking by and was like, what's going on? We just, you know, really became a family that year. And so that first group are, you know, not only uh, finished with high school, but they're now finished with college, many of them. And some are married. A couple have babies. <laughs> so, oh, wow. But it's nice that I'm able to just kind of follow them, you know, through their life adventures. And, you know, I got to go to their homecoming pictures and their graduations and their graduation parties and, you know, sometimes even weddings and life celebrations. So I would say that's my biggest success is staying connected with my kids and then just seeing them out in the community because I live in the area that I teach or taught. Yeah. And so it's just always fun to run into kids at the grocery store or, you know, when I'm out with my kids and just that level of excitement that comes with that um, was definitely probably my favorite successes. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting when you see your kids all grown up, like, oh my goodness, I had you in third grade. <laughs> Like, you're a full adult now. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, I know that you do some work with and reports. I'm a Kauai fellow. I've worked with you, and it's, it's been it's been wonderful to work with you because I've learned so much from you just working through the fellowship. And I just want to say that one of the reasons I started this podcast is because, you know, you definitely, like, pushed me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> so, um yeah, so tell us more about your work with Ed Reports and Macaulay Fellowship. And yeah. Sure, yes. Well, I'm so excited that you are doing this and so proud of you for doing it because I know it's out of your comfort zone, but it's also just a chance to elevate your voice. And that's really my main focus um, in education now. You know, I left the classroom three years ago, which was a hard decision, but I felt a little bit stuck. Um, I didn't really see any opportunities for growth. Uh, aside from becoming a principal, and that's definitely not something I really thought I wanted to do or you know, had the right skill set for, um, but I knew I needed to make some sort of impact in some way, and so my focus shifted from teaching students to teaching teachers, and the main thing that I want to teach teachers is about leadership and building leadership skills and seeing themselves as leaders, and then advocating, because you know some of the challenges I had um, in the classroom or even as a parent, once my kids were in school, uh, really showed me that you really have to take control of the situation and speak your mind and find ways to solve problems, connect with people, um, learn, and definitely get out of your comfort zone so that any injustices you see or any you know problems that you're facing can have some type of resolution that's not just good for you or your kids, um, but also you know all other students, all other teachers, and basically the education system as a whole. So it's been really great to really focus on that, particularly with Ed Reports. Um, so you know, Ed Reports is a nonprofit, and we work to ensure that all students have access to high quality instructional materials. Um, but that's really you know one big piece of our work, but not all that we do. We really are for educator by educator and are looking for ways to, you know, help teachers or help empower teachers to make sure that they have what they need for their students. Um, and so the idea for the fellowship came about because I had done some, you know, leadership type of roles and some fellowships um, with different organizations while I was in the classroom. And 
I just felt so empowered with each of them. I learned a lot. I connected with a lot of people. My network, you know, continued to grow. I, um, you know, was, you know, had found resources with these different organizations and I learned how to advocate. And so I wanted to be able to share that with others. So I basically worked with a couple other educators and we looked at what were the most powerful things from our different leadership experiences that taught us the most and how could we create a program from those. And that's how we developed the Cloud A Fellowship. Wow, that's amazing and exciting. Um, and I say that because some, sometimes I think as teachers, we don't think that we have the, the power to make a change or to solve problems and to just make a difference in general. But I think it's so important that we do have that sense of empowerment. And I think that's one of the things that definitely the College Fellowship does is gives teachers that sense of gives teachers that sense of empowerment. Um, so yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> and I know that you enjoy working with with teachers and adults because I've worked with you. I keep saying this, but it is really great to work with you. <laughs> um, so being that you know you've worked with teachers on the Cloudway Fellowship. What are some tips that, like some concrete tips that you can give teachers coming into the field or already in the field? And I know it's like a time of transition for a lot of educators right now, but what are some concrete tips that you would give teachers? Well, I can think of a lot and I would say that they shift based on, you know, number of years or experience because if I think about a new teacher, my advice to them would be to like put your time and energy into the more important things and not like the little things. So I, I remember I used to spend hours like decorating my library and making sure that the baskets were cute. And I just remember being at work till 11 o'clock at night, you know, doing stuff from Pinterest or any of those things. And I liked those things. and It, it definitely, you know, fed my creative side. And I think it was enjoyable for the kids. But just in retrospect, there was so many other things I could uh, focus on. Just, you know, building my craft and fine-tuning things and making sure I understood the curriculum and how to use it and how to assess kids and, you know, just the things that really matter. So that's really a big piece of advice. Um, once you do kind of grow into your role, I would say that, you know, anything that you're really passionate about, um, just kind of learn the right ways to use your voice. Um, I remember my very first issue that I was so fired up about um, was class size. We went from like 24 kids in a class to 32 kids in a class. And it, it was like two totally different jobs. It was, I mean, it was just so stressful for everybody. And I just didn't feel like it was right. And so I started to use my voice. I connected with parents. I would talk to the principals. I would reach out to superintendents. I looked at research. Um, I really wanted to make sure I had facts to be able to share both data, but also my experience. Like they needed to understand how difficult it was and how, how much less of an impact I could make with students with that. So anything that you feel in your current role is, you know, something that needs to change. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and speak up about why and then, you know, offer solutions. And so that's really kind of how I dip my toes into advocacy. And it's scary and it doesn't always go well. Like I, I remember my principal being really upset with me 
a few times. I remember worrying, you know, am I kind of destroying any chances I might have of other, you know, future leadership roles um, because it was a contentious topic, but I just really felt like it was right. Um, so yeah, so making sure that you know the latest best practices, the latest research, and then sharing your experience with the right people who actually make the decisions. Um, sometimes you feel like those people are out of reach, but they're not. And th- those are the ones that need to hear from you the most. Wow. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the relationship with your principal is what a lot of teachers, um, it, it stops them from really, you know, using their voice and doing the advocacy work. Could you just tell me a little bit more about how you like navigated? Like I know you said that you use the data, you talk to, you know, the superintendents and everything, but like being in the school with the principal, <laughs> that's like a whole different ball game because, you know, some teachers might fear retaliation or, you know, yeah. so like, how did you navigate it? Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like the reason that a principal hires someone is because they see leadership potential and they see kind of like that drive and that passion. I do feel like that's what probably, you know, led my principal to hire me. Um, But at the same time, when you utilize that in a way that doesn't uh, align with their, uh, you know, their mission or or their particular situation, (laughs) um, it does. It gets a little bit scary. But like I said, I just knew I, I knew I was doing what was right. I knew I was doing what was in the best interest of my students and families. And so I didn't want to kind of let the fear stop me. Um, and so you just have a balancing act, right? Like, yes, I was pushing the boundaries a little bit, but I was, that's kind of what made other people see me as a leader and not just her. And then also like, I balanced it by doing a really good job in my classroom, right? Like I never had parents who were complaining or kids who were, you know, struggling. My classroom was always just like a happy, um, effective space. And so there, there really wasn't any reason for my principal to um, retaliate or be upset with me outside of the situation that I was advocating for. So it's the balance of, be the absolute best teacher that you can be, be a leader in positive ways too. Like I had leadership roles where I was doing PD for staff and I was developing things. So I, I really did more positives, um, which outweighed anything that my principal would see as negative. And I do think mm. our, our leadership knows that our intentions are good. And I think she agreed with me that class sizes were a problem, um, but she also had to you know, navigate her world as an administrator and what she had control of. Um, so there was a little bit of tension there. But like I said, I just continued to do my job the best I could be. And I was a, a good teacher that was respected by my class and my community. And so, um, you know, we just had this one thing that we would um, not see eye to eye on. And that was okay. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I think just focusing on being the best teacher that you can be is um, is a buffer for a lot of things <laughs> because people can't say, you know, you're not doing your job or you're not, you know, making yeah, sure that students are learning. I didn't let my passion for the injustice get in the way of you know, my responsibilities. Mm, I like that. So being that 
Um, you're big on advocacy and making change in education. What is one way you think the education system can be improved? <laughs> I know this one is a loaded question, but <laughs> I was actually just on a call last night um, with an organization called End Story, which is the National Network of State Teachers of the Year, and they're really trying to bring educators together to discuss diversifying the teaching field. And I definitely think that is one really important way that we can improve education because we all know that equity is our number one issue. And that can mean so many different things, but I know it's what everybody's thinking about and what everybody's talking about. And in order for us to create a more equitable um, education system, we definitely need to have uh, more diversity in our teaching pool. We need to have uh, voices that people can learn from and see different perspectives and see different experiences from. Um, and so that's definitely something I'm interested in helping with or supporting. And then for the teaching field overall, we need better pathways for educators. Like I should not have ever left the classroom. I thought I was going to retire from my third grade classroom at Key Elementary where I was. I was so happy there um, until I wasn't. <laughs> and yeah, I yeah. started to feel stuck because I did a lot of leadership roles and I did a lot of fellowships and things that you really see like, wow, you could really have an impact and you could really um, uh, change policies and have your voice heard outside of your classroom. But the classroom is so restricting. There's no flexibility. Um, and then it's either your teacher or principal or you're out of education. And so, like I said, I never really wanted to be a principal, so I had to find other things. I just think there's there's a lot more we can do to keep teachers leading without leaving. And so those mm -hmm. two things, diversifying the field and then finding ways to lead without leaving would be the, the two most important things that we can do to improve our current education system. Wow, yeah, those are definitely uh, things to think about. Yeah, in terms of diversity, I, I completely agree with you. I think that if the staff is not diverse, you know, how are we going to handle equity with the students? So, because we are the example to the students, right? So, I think that's really important. And also the pathways. Yes, I can, I can definitely hear you on that because um, I've struggled with that you know, either staying in the classroom, leaving the classroom, but it's like you don't really have many options sometimes. And there's a lot of things that you can do, but definitely more pathways would be more helpful. Mm -hmm. All right, so it's time for a rapid fire round. This is a new segment, so I'm just going to ask you one question and you have to give me a really quick answer. I'm not going to time you, but... <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Our rapid fire round. First question: What's one thing about you that surprises people? Uh, that is, I think that I'm actually pretty shy, quiet, and introverted. Um, and I think it surprises people because I work with educators, I present, I do trainings, um, and I come across pretty outgoing. Um, but I really just like to be by myself and watching a show or something that's just kind of quiet. that's surprising yes i know i know it's surprising <laughs> it wasn't always that way it's kind of changed over time so. 
where is your happy place? Oh, well, Target. <laughs> <laughs> That's everybody's happy <laughs> But no, I mean, really, in a more serious way, uh, I would definitely be at home with my kids and my husband. Um, like I said, just kind of a quiet night in is something that makes me happy. Okay. All right. Next question. If you had to eat one thing for every meal going forward, what would you eat? French fries. Nice. If you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Gymnastics. I always wanted to be a gymnast, just never actually followed through with it. I'm fascinated with it. Wow. Yeah, gymnastics is cool. All right. I can never be a gymnast, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Melody. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? think so just that this is really fun and I appreciate you inviting me and you know I hope that teachers will take something away from this and, and feel empowered and you know ready to kind of uh, make an impact with their own voices thank you thank you so much it was great having you and yes you. I definitely learned a lot and I know our listeners will learn a lot I know our listeners will learn a lot so thank you again <laughs> thanks take care Take care. Some key takeaways from Melody's episode, work through your fear when advocating for yourself, your students, and other teachers. Number two, focus on being the best teacher you can be. Number three, send thank you letters to people who've made an impact in your life. Number four, speak your mind, take control of the situation, and find different ways to solve problems. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. To learn more about the teacher's impact, please visit the website https colon slash slash teachersimpact.net. If you found this content helpful, please share, favor, and rate on your favorite podcast app. It helps the show to grow and reach more teachers. You can email me at teachersimpacteducation at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at Teachers Impact Podcast or Twitter at Shani Marie O. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, please don't hesitate to email me. I will definitely respond to you. Happy learning and growing.